Have you ever wondered how to make sense out of your messy life or how to live in peace in the middle of a stressful world? My name is Jamie Norton, and I want to welcome you to the Making Peace and Beyond podcast, where we talk about life struggles and how to live in the peace, joy, and freedom that Christ died to give us. Today, we have a very special uh, podcast uh, with my son, Ken Hatfield, and this is a uh, Back at the family table to yeah. talk about things, except this time at this family table, we're going to break the no talk rule. And we get to talk. We get to talk. <laughs> and we don't have to be silent, which is one of the most important things that happens that blocks our path in families that are, demand silence and um, talk about each other and not to each other, which is the other rule we're breaking. We're going to talk directly to each other about what was like life was like for me and for you uh, as you were growing up, as I was growing up, and some of the things that really uh, sent us in a wrong direction and how God brought us back and how amazing that is. And so welcome. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, when we were talking, when we're talking now about talking, um, I think a lot of times it might help to to let people understand that uh, sometimes you're at the dinner table and you're talking, but you're stepping on eggshells, so that's really not talking either. I mean, so I, we don't want people to, you know, misinterpret the fact that, hey, yeah, there's conversation at the dinner table, but I've got to be careful in who I, what I say about this and what I say about that. I think we're going to break those today. So I think we are. And one thing I want to just say right up front, I don't think whether we loved each other or were loved by my parents and the rest of our family was ever in question. You know, no. we, we always had love that undergirded and sort of kept us going, but at the same time, we had a lot of dysfunction and illness in the family. In our family, our particular dysfunction was alcoholism. You know, yeah. I, I can't remember uh, a single night in my growing up that there wasn't a fifth of liquor on the, on the table. And although we had many blessings, my family was an old family. I grew up on a, a street named after me and grew up in a church named after me. And, uh, you know, I said before that our, my cousin thought the Lord's Prayer when our Father who art in heaven, Howard is our name. I mean, we were so connected to the church and so connected to the community that we didn't know that our normal was abnormal. Well, yeah, even coming into that when I was very young, I mean, going around Tarboro, uh, you know, it, oh, you're Rob Howard's grandson. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's like it was it was very prestigious, I guess, in, in, in that actual town um, to, to have that Howard relationship. And one of the family false beliefs we had was that our family was better than other people, that we, uh, that there were some people that were less than us. And so that was, the, I know growing up, I could have a relationship with six friends, and everybody else was not appropriate. And I never understood that. I never could understand the segregation. I never could understand why I couldn't hang out with whoever I wanted to. Um, and I tended to like people that were not in that little six. Um, but it was, it was really something that was very confusing to me. I, I just remember feeling really confused about the things I was learning in Sunday school, the things I was learning in church, and the way we were living at home because we yelled and screamed at each other. We had uh, moments of really 
joyful times, but then it would just explode unpredictably into some, uh, depending on the state of intoxication of the grown-ups around me. (laughs) Depending on how many of those fifths of liquor were, you know, the levels of them. (laughs) I I think uh, growing up, though, I, I I benefited from the fact that you were a rebellious uh, soul in your family, um, being that, like in the, in, you were not a, a privy to those views as much. You know, you rebelled <laughs> against them, and which made it a little bit easier for me to have different views. And then when I came along, I mean, we even had this discussion earlier today. You, know, you told me to comb, brush my hair. I mean. <laughs> I uh, I kind of flipped uh, the script when I uh, as I got older in that uh, in that fa- part of the family. You sort of took it beyond me. I remember when you were in college, you had the big hair because it was when Afro haircuts were in, and, and you you had an really, incredibly big hair. It was Bon Jovi <laughs> hair. It was more of the rock and roll hairband hair. <laughs> Afros were a little bit before my generation. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think one of the one of the things that was in our family that was uh, sort of a rule of behavior was that if you, if someone walked into your house, you had to offer them a drink, and a drink was an alcoholic drink. And I remember um, later on when Mary was in in college, or Mary was graduated from high school, actually, my parents were there, and my father was like, "You aren't even going to offer people a drink." And I said, yeah, I'm going to offer him coffee, tea, or milk, or soft drink, you know. And, of course, he went out and bought a bottle <laughs> yeah. because it was just unheard of. And un- it wasn't class to have people well, not offer that was That is a, a southern hospitality thing. I mean, you either offer food or alcohol. <laughs> it was just <laughs> kind of, yeah, or both. Uh, it was kind of instilled in the, the that's kind of our culture uh, from the south as well. Um but I mean, as far as our family went, um, I mean, my experience uh, in, uh, away from Tarboro, but in, in our family, you know, the, some of the rules that I had were, you know, uh, when I walked in the house, I had to either, because it, was, it wasn't just alcohol there, it, it was uh, a lot of marijuana and other things. So if I brought a friend over, I'd have to smell the house before I brought him in <laughs> to know whether I came in through the front door or through the basement. <laughs> you know? Right, right. I, I started drinking so early. I think the first drink I ever had was when I was four. And I remember these women were just very prissy until they had whatever was in those bottles and whatever was in those glasses. And then they started laughing and having fun, at least initially. And so I wanted some of that. And I remember they used to give us orange juice glasses of beer. And half of us didn't want it. We had house parties at our cottage at the beach. And and Half of us did not want the alcohol, and I would ask them to get theirs, and so I could have it. So it's always <laughs> did. And fast forward on to that, when you were there, my brother was there with his fraternity brothers. You got drunk because you would go around begging a sip of alcohol from them. I was going to say, yeah, that's, I think that's where I, <laughs> that I had my first day. drink was uh, at the cottage at the beach as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, God has blessed us. I, I, I will have 44 years of sobriety this month, and you have— um, ten, actually, almost eleven. 
So, so there, so. Th- there is. We have we have been able to move beyond that particular thing, but we didn't realize that we were growing up in alcoholism. We didn't realize that 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 was what was going on. It was our normal natural life. So it was just assumed that you know that would be what you did. So it was a a natural thing for me to select people to be friends with that also drank that also and then later on because it was a a, a child of the 60s and 70s i i did the other stuff too <laughs> yeah i mean marijuana came into being and i happened to uh meet and uh, uh, marry a, a psychiatrist who um, thought that marijuana smoking was the best thing on earth <laughs> and, and so we did that and it was it it, it, it just got beyond a little more abnormal than my abnormal was and well like for from the time i was six i would think till the time i was 13 i didn't uh well back then people uh did slides like slideshows you know had the little slide carousels and the slide carousels came in a box and i actually thought those boxes were made for deseeding weed i <laughs> Like, for the longest time, I thought, that's what that box is for. I'd see one at the store. I'd be like, everybody has those. The rules were a little different um, just because of the sign of the times, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that the – I think we were both um, prepared uh, very well in our youth for – the rules that support addiction. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and one thing I know, just you speak of having sobriety and me having sobriety, uh, the hardest part of not doing, of not doing the drug, I mean, that part's the easy part, actually. It's all the other stuff that we're conditioned and the rules that we get from that lifestyle. I mean, it's it's hard uh, to like even today like i own a restaurant own a bar and i don't go out to other bars i hardly go out to other restaurants or anything like that because the majority of people are still doing those type of things and i see patterns that i was doing and then i don't uh, you know th- those rules of like oh you got to have your you, you said you got to have your certain friends you got to have your certain ways and I uh, I think that's one of the harder parts of mm-hmm. of recovering from addiction is learning to break those rules, learning to change the way you you know. Now I'm 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 proud of my my Christian friends, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm proud I'm proud of my friends that are doing uh, things that you know their, their stories aren't. Boy, I went out and drank last night. <laughs> Boy, I went out and you know, it's like more like uh, you know. And people who are doing other things, you know. There's, there's. I think my, you know, I grew up in the church, and and one of the, and when I began to move away from the church was when I started to do things that, in, that that aren't good for me, that destroy me. I started drinking. I started acting out sexually. I started um, being ashamed to walk into a church to. When I was with people who were walking in Christ, I didn't fit anymore because I had all these secrets, you know. And that's one of the things you see happen when we start to do things that are self-destructive. We find those things that we can't talk about because we're ashamed of them and we're feeling guilty. 
And we and so we start to isolate into groups where people are doing the same thing. So I hang yeah. out with my bar friends because it's normal to drink when you're with your bar friends. But when I come to church, it's not as normal. And that's not to – it was like walking away from that. And I remember when your dad left um, was very crucial for me <clears throat> because in college I had literally, literally – had a spiritual awakening and stopped drinking and um, tried to really live a normal life, but never really went into recovery. As you said, you know, stopping drinking is not about, is not what not, recovery not, is yeah. about. You know? No, not at all. It's, it, it was like it, what happened to me was, was being able to um, live I was still living in guilt and shame, but I didn't know it. So I was trying to be perfect. I was trying to be the perfect wife. I was trying not to have needs. I was trying to be a good mom. But when you were born and he left with my best friend, the world crashed. And, you know, I started to uh, drink again. I started to act out again. And that just continued and just felt like I couldn't get back. I didn't know the way back. I kept, as y'all were growing up, you might remember, we kept trying to go to church. Everywhere we lived, we tried to go to church. And I moved all the time, which was another yeah. thing I did to you. And I apologize for because, you know, you never had a chance to get grounded because we were always going somewhere. And I took so many geographical cures, it was ridiculous. Well, I, I used to make a joke with my friends uh, about church uh, because I you know we went to so many different churches so like I was I went to you know the Howard Presbyterian Church and then we went to a Baptist church and or we went to an Episcopalian church we did so like I used to tell my friends I've been I've been dunked dabbed <laughs> splashed like <laughs> I got you know I was I was uh, baptized in several different ways from several different churches and it's funny uh I think that when when I found the church uh, that when I found Christ, I think it, it was more about uh, that there weren't that many rules. Like you know, when we were at the uh, Episcopalian church, uh, it was kind of a hippie church, you know, and that's because we were hippies. <laughs> I lived in a hippie family, and you know, and uh, it, it was. Uh, I didn't see it. I more saw it as like, oh, you got to do this on this day. You got to do this on this day, and not like you got to learn to love. You got to learn to break the silence. You got to learn to break those rules that we have. The, the same rules that we're talking about. The I think the 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 difference in living in Christ and living in a you know a, a certain. Uh, I thought religion was a set of rules for a while. Yeah. And, I, and then I realized that actually it's a set of guidelines that God wants me to have what I want to have. He wants me to be free. He wants me to feel secure. He wants me to know that I'm valuable and significant. He wants me to know that I am valuable and I am his beloved and that you know I have a meaning and purpose to show his love to others. And I, I have access to the way that people respond, love, peace, joy, goodness, patience, loyalty, self-control, kindness. You know, those things are, are guidelines, and yeah. give to, he wants me to have everything I want, but he's the creator. So if you, if you uh, buy a car, you're going to get an owner's manual, and when you get an owner's manual, 
it says if you want the car to run well, this is what you do. Don't put sugar in the gas tank. Yeah, that's and probably not a good the idea. the prescription for people <laughs> is if you want a person to run well, don't put alcohol <coughs> in the gas tank. You know, I mean, yeah. we don't run well on it. But it was just so chaotic. And I think the the truth gets blocked because you have these sort of family-authorized truths that you're locked into. And the idea is that if you really tell the truth, you're betraying people. I remember when I first started doing some work, I, I for a long time thought when I said that my parents were alcoholic, that I was betraying them and I was being disloyal. And one of the things that I love right now is that we can sit here and talk about it. That, yeah. you, that Mary can get up and talk to people about her experience, that we don't live by the no-talk rule. And I think that that Jesus came into the world to teach us the truth and to take away those no-talk rules and to let us live in freedom from guilt and shame, that we do not have to walk in guilt and shame because of what we have done because there's always yeah. a way back. And it's the way back that I would love to be able to help people get that no matter where you are and what you've done or what's been done to you, there is a way back. Well, I think, uh, you know, it It says in Scripture that, you know, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We, we all are, you know, we all mess up. And I think the no-talk rule, a lot of times, if you're not in Christ and you don't know the love part of Christ, you only know the judgment part of, you know, like if you read the Bible, there's like the New Testament, there's a lot of judgment going on <laughs> of different, you know, groups and all that stuff. But if you know the love part of Jesus Christ, I think uh, the no talk rule uh, changes it uh, because we are going to make mistakes. We are going to be messed up. We're, you know, we all fall short. And uh, before thinking that it's a betrayal to talk about that stuff, um, is a rule that we learned, a human rule. And if we learn the like Jesus's rule and the love rule, I think it changes because they we know that there's love there. And we know that underlying love is, you know, I I know that I really messed up, you know, but I know because of uh Jesus's love, and because that love is in you, I was able to come back, you know, to be here. The the I think Satan loves to trap us in his lie. Oh, yeah. And when the truth becomes unavailable to you, you're trapped in someone else's lie. I was trapped in my parents' lie. They were trapped in their parents' lie. You were trapped in my lie, you know. And yeah. and in John, we're told that the truth will set you free, you know. And a lie cannot set you free. So as long as we're living in a lie, <clears throat> we cannot be set free. Yeah. And so that is the double bind that many people find themselves in. I don't want to talk about what happened because it would hurt somebody. You know, talking about what happened isn't what hurts somebody. Doing what is being done is what hurts somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's and, what hurt them then. And Yeah, yeah and, and, and to be able to own behavior is... It's, it's not like I enjoy talking about all this stuff that I did to you and that I did to Mary. Mary, I mean, it was, I think back and it's so dark and I think, Lord, thank you. And I, when I think those thoughts, I always 
in those thoughts with, thank God I have a Savior. Thank God I have a Savior because there's no hope for me without one. And I, I, I'm right there because I, in my addiction, I did bad things to you and to Mary and to, you know, that's kind of the, the whole circle back around thing is like, thank God I have a Savior because, I, you know, that love is there. And, uh, you know, no matter... Now, I, I do have to, like, preface this with saying not, not just because you found Jesus and the love there doesn't mean that the people that you hurt have yet, you know. And um, I'm experiencing that right now, you know, with what's going on with my son. And uh, I think that um, the other part of those rules and all that stuff is to— make sure that like you can get around the after you've come out of those rules and we've broken those that um you have to stand steadfast and show that love regardless regardless of the other stuff that's what you did with me um you know and if it wasn't for that love from you uh being so strong i probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now you know I believe that love is the toughest thing on earth. It created us. We were created out of love, for love, to love, by love. And when we we, we, we become Christ to others, that's what we're doing. We're saying, you know, I am just going to stay right here and love you. No matter what you do, I'm going to stay right here and love you. And it doesn't mean I'm going to enable you, which I was terrible with. I mean, I was like almost killed you with enabling you, you know, but, but I never— could would uh, leave you, you know. <clears throat> you know, it was always, and I think that's what Christ does to us. Christ says, "I'm here, and I love you, and I'm offering you." I'm, this is an invitation. It's an invitation to a different life. It's an invitation to freedom from the self-destructive behavior. Because I know, and you know. Even though you act like you know what you're doing, you're miserable when you're lost in an addiction. You're miserable. You you know that you're not you're hurting people. You but you can't. You don't know the way back. And I think that's what we can offer. That's what Jesus offers us. He says, "I I have a way back, and I love you, and this is the way." And and he says, "This is the way, the truth, and the life." I mean, he puts it right out. You yep. cannot do it without the truth. <laughs> One, know? some of those things that are are lies. Um, the what what do we both of us have described ourselves as functioning addicts, functioning alcoholics. <laughs> no, I was very successful. Yeah. So were you. Yeah, <laughs> like a, you know, and that's part of that lie, though. I mean, you can, you know, I'm, I'm much more successful now than I was then. Me too. And. And I think uh, the the reason that's there is, you know, part of that success also is the, you know, for lack of a better thing, like reputation. It's like, you know, part of that success is like, I don't think anybody's going to be worried about how it smells when they walk into your house now. <laughs> well, you <maybe>. know, <laughs> unless it smells like pecans or, you know, <laughs> or, or you're making chili or something like that. Like me, you know, they're not going to worry about me being, you know, holed up in the house, like not answering the door and peeping out the window. They're not going to be doing that. But because of that success that I've found in Christ, and it's a, it's a whole different, you know, the rules have changed. 
<laughs> you <laughs> they know, have. They have. <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, I know when, like, the rules were a little different. Um, I mean, you still have to, <clears throat> excuse me, when you go visit Liz, your sister, um, I think that uh, it, it brings, I noticed that it brings back feelings because you experienced stuff with her when you were younger. And I can I can see it in 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 in, in Rob too. It it's I, I feel like you guys um, kind of go back and live, and not because of where it's just because you guys experienced that together. And it's the same with like when Mary and I went you know went down to see Andy. Um, you know, all three of us being in the same house together, we all were kind of like, this is a weird feeling. Like, are there rules here? And they weren't, you know. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think that the the experiences of those rules when we were younger um, have to be felt out when we're dealing with you and I, or with when Mary and I are together. You know, I, I think we've we've gotten to those things, but it, you know what I'm, it, I think the whole reason we're having this conversation is about those stereotypical rules and things that happened in our past that have changed because we have found Christ, you know? So I, I think that, um, not to talk in circles, but I, I think that as, as, uh, I've grown in my, uh, sobriety and in my, and in my relationship with Christ, um, a lot of those rules don't apply, uh, anymore, you know? Yeah. I think, I think we look at, you know what are the what are the family uh, traditions, uh, rituals, legacies? What are the things that our parents passed on to us that probably were passed on to them that helped us? And what are the ones that hurt us? Because it isn't like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, one of the things that I think we've said is that. You know, there were really some good times. Oh, absolutely. There were some really sweet times. There were some really loving times. Um, and there were some really horrible times. And the fact that the horrible times were associated most of the time with alcohol or other drugs, you know, for both of us in, in our family life and in our personal life mm -hmm. is... Uh, <clears throat> Is 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 what we're looking at, and how? What are the what are the traditions and legacies that block us from loving each other, from truly loving each other, from being honest with each other, from just being who we are, being who Christ made us to be? And what are the things that um, that Christ offers us? It's like we were in a a dysfunctional human family, but Christ has offered us a new family. A new God, a new Father, yeah. a Father who does love us and treasure us and sees us, and does not get mad at us because we're human. You know, it's like a, if you have a child, you don't get mad at the child for pooping in their pants or stop loving them because they became messy. You you continue to love that child and invite them into a different kind of way. And I think God provided us with that way, and you know. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful to Mary because I think Mary was the first one of us to start living in Christ. You know, I think she wasn't, you know, to, to really 
in 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 a way that um, was really more complete, more more grounded. And so I'm really grateful that 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 she was able to to find that and to stick with it and and uh, yeah and help us to sort of turn the corner. I like uh, because I'm a chef. I I like to equate things to cooking. You know, I'm shocked. And, <laughs> and the 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 legacy thing that you speak of with. Thing, things that were passed down through the family. I, I look at it like I've got a lot of recipes, and a lot of them are recipes that were like um, my grandmother's, my great grandmother's, you know, that were yours. And a lot of those recipes I follow to the to the T, you know. And they're 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 good because they're proven that over generations they brought joy. But then there's other recipes that I, you know, no, I'm not going to, you know what I mean? It's like those recipes, I, I but, excuse me, but there's also the recipes that I take part of and then tweak it and add my own thing. And you know what I mean? It's, uh, I, th- I think those are, those are good ways to look at experiences from your past. It's really a good analogy. It's, it's like you, you you keep some intact, and then you. We did eat well, by the way. I mean, we yes, really did eat. We well. did. We have to say that. You know, when I cook now, sometimes if I'm cooking, like making pickles or making chutney or making things, I'll 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 pull Mama's spoon out. Mama had this big spoon that had a red handle. Yeah. And every time I pull it out, I think of the good parts of my mother. You know. Oh, yeah. that, that when she was making stuff, you know, and and. Uh, but I think that's a great analogy to say, you know, some of those recipes we keep intact because they were so good. Yeah. And then others we don't do at all because yeah, they, we, they, 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 yeah. they didn't taste very good. <laughs> and then others we tweak, you know, we tweak them yeah. to fit our life today, you yeah. know, because life has changed. And, and to keep on that analogy, too, like the the – some of the things that some of the recipes, we'll put it that way, some of the recipes that we experienced while we were younger, um, we found that, like, as we got older, our, your taste changed a little bit. Like, I, your, your mother, Mima, used to make uh, mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Made homemade mayonnaise. Never had bought mayonnaise since I was growing up. Yeah, and I uh, when I when I taste that mayonnaise, I would think it was kind of gritty because she used like a a large green sugar, and it was you know. But like as a, as a child, I didn't really like that recipe that much. But as I got older, or as I lived in it for a long time, I learned to like that. And I think that's what happens with some of those experiences that we were talking about as well. It's like mm-hmm. they become. They become natural to you, and that's why sometimes it's hard to discard some of those recipes we didn't like mm-hmm. because that's all you had, you know. Mm-hmm. And and when you, you know, when you talk about how uh, the certain inlaid laws and rules of your house, like <laughs> offering a drink or you know being friends with certain people, well, that's what you learned mm-hmm. when you were young. That's how you learned it. But then you tasted better mayonnaise. Or <laughs> then you taste it. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, I talk sometimes about you grow up in Germany, you learn German. And yeah. you learn German <clears throat> habits and German customs. You can't learn anything else because that's all you're exposed to. 
And so you can get your passport out of Germany and come to the United States, and you still speak German and have German habits and German customs. You're not in Germany anymore, but you still act like you are. And then you find somebody who is, uh, you walk into a room and 10 people are in there and they all speak English except one, and you pick that German person, you know, the one who speaks German because it's familiar. And you find the one, and the familiar language is the avoidance of painful truths. It's control, fight, run. You know, the language of survival is control, fight, run. I want to be comfortable, and I want you to uh, to so, you know, agree with me about everything. And when you don't, then I get to argue with you or I get to withdraw from you. And that is, that is something. And, 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 and when we get saved, it's like we get the passport out of Germany. But we still speak German and have German habits and German customs, and that's where we have to learn. And I think sometimes as, a, as the church, we fail to recognize that it's not instant, that it takes a long time to learn a different language. It takes a long time to, to really learn new habits and new customs, and it, and, and it begins to make us unable to communicate well with the people that are back in the old land back into in Germany because now we're speaking a different language and so change is hard because often it means we have to change playmates playgrounds and play things yeah. it's hard because it, we slip back you know you learn a, a phrase you learn and when we grow up in the language of survival and we we find Christ then we have to learn the language of love the language of forgiveness the language of acceptance, the language of compassion, of consideration, of 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 humility, of well, walking in gratitude and humbleness for the gifts that we've been given, and it's so different. It's a it's an entirely different world in some ways, and it takes a lifetime. And then when something happens real suddenly, we go back to the original language, you know, and for yeah. a moment, and then we have to ask forgiveness because. You know, when we don't want to hurt each other, we don't want to think that it's normal and natural to say nasty things to each other, to humiliate each other, to be sarcastic. You know, sarcasm in dysfunctional homes is a, uh, an acceptable way of expressing anger. One of those things that you say right there, and it's like now, now that's when you, if you're in recovery or if you're uh, new in Christ— like you were saying, I always end those statements with, thank God I have a Savior. But I always, uh, like a lot of times, if I even have those things now, I've conditioned myself to say, run it all the way through. Like you like to say, <laughs> run it all the way through. And if you had that type of thing, it's like, you know, I'm sure glad I'm not you know, the old me. <laughs> That's how I had a lot of my, you know, good thing think I'm not the old. Think about what you're thinking about. <laughs> good thing I'm not the old me anymore. <laughs> good thing I don't have that old mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> think about what you're thinking about. It's it's really different, and it doesn't mean you don't step on each other's toes periodically. It doesn't you mean will. that you, but it's like we don't have to avoid that. We don't have to avoid acknowledging it. You know, and and my family, when you. You, you would fight all night and go to go to bed and wake up and you were all lovey-dovey in the morning and I'm thinking when did we make up I'm still mad you know and but you didn't bring it up because it would start the fight all over again I mean you could not can you couldn't solve problems you couldn't talk about things and you know just everything was about not upsetting my parents not upsetting my mother 
Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure yours was about not upsetting me at some point. But it was... Well, I mean, it was a different situation, like, you know, because I had Jerry and Jerry my, was, my stepfather. And with Jerry, um, you know, it was more about not upsetting him, I think, a lot of times because in that whole realm of things, it was... Uh, you kind of took a back seat when he was there because of his upbringing and his culture. And yeah, he was, you know, I think for a long time, you know, I was thinking that his way was was the right way because he was a psychiatrist. And yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I thought he knew what he was doing. He actually was about three steps sicker than I was. Well, time, I mean, but I didn't realize he, that at first. He, you know. he worked in an institution where they still shocked people and like, <laughs> he was the one who shocked them yeah, he, so it was, now that you have hindsight's 2020 on that one i <laughs> but like hook up the old things again <laughs> but he was he was pretty shocking all the way around i mean but it was yeah but but to really you know that was that was i think god brought me to that point and into that relationship to take me to the end of myself because he was he was a, he was a, a, he was so good at manipulation. He was so good at at uh, controlling people, you yeah. know. And you know, and I cannot even believe where my life and your our life went during that period of time. I mean, even my parents. My parents would not come to the wedding. You know, I mean, my father was like, "I don't even understand you." I think you were born to take me to the end of my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> One well, and again, there are those things where. I look back like I have an a, a a more of an appreciation for nature, for art, for poetry, and all because of Jerry mm-hmm. and because of you. I mean, those are the good things that we took out of it. You know what I mean? So again, there's the good parts of the recipe that come there, and then there's the other parts. I do think that um, when you were talking about rules at your house. We were talking about it earlier at the dinner table. So, like, I would sit on the porch and eat because of uh, your sister and your mother. <laughs> they would have the knockdown, drag out conversations at the thing. And then with Jerry in there on top of that, I just would go out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally incompatible. Yeah. I mean, it was just didn't work at all, you know. And and then you're right. I mean, I remember my father one time, you know, my mother and sister were arguing, and my father was like, what are we going to do? They're going to kill each other, <laughs> you know. And it's, it was pretty t- intense. I in think there. towards the end, though, you kind of got this point, like, go ahead. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, we are so blessed. I mean, I, I look at our family tables today. I look at the thing that that, that we've been able to, to do and just how— God truly has healed so much of our life. You know, I mean, the, you know, the ability to just be with each other and to accept each other's differences. You and Mary and I are very different people in so many ways. Of course, I'm old, and that makes me really different. And, and I used to try to pull rank because I'm old and I'm your mother, but I found out that didn't work with either one of you. No. So I just kind of gave that one up. But it was. <laughs> no, we just make jokes. <laughs> Yep, you're old. No. Yeah, just, I know. Uh, you know, I think, sometimes uh, I think it's time for a cruise ship. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to get on a cruise ship instead of a nursing home. It's better food. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get to I, see more. Pr- I don't know scenery. if anybody knows is privy to that idea that I came up with years ago of not putting my mother in a fu- in a home, but uh, putting her on a cruise ship. 
because there's there's games, there's food, there's doctors if you need them. They're all they're moving around, taken care of. Probably costs less than a, a nursing home. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think just the overall part of our conversation today, I think, is that thank God we have. A savior. Thank God yeah. we have a savior, and that allows us to talk to each other and not about each other. Yeah, you know, which is incredible. I, in my family, if you left the dinner table, they had you for dessert. I mean, we talked about people. We did not talk to people, and so you never knew exactly what people were saying about you. What, and that was a big thing. What people thought. You know, what do people think about you? <laughs> and realizing today that. I know who I am, and I know whose I am because I know what Christ thinks about me. He thinks I'm beautiful. He thinks he's, you know, I'm the cat's meow. You know, I'm yeah. his beloved kid, and so are you. Even with my hair all crazy? I don't know. I don't know. Now, that's taken a little too far. You know? <laughs> well, you do look kind of like the wild bear when you come out with this yeah. all out. <laughs> and, and which is okay, you know. It's just... You know, I, I'm conservative Southern woman. <laughs> you know, there's this You're part just, of me that, 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 that adapted to all of that. You know, and, a lot of people are just jealous because my hair's longer than theirs. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's a lot longer than mine. It's also just yours got gray before mine did. I just want to remind you of that. Yeah, <laughs> but. But it is, it's fun to be able to laugh, and it's fun to be able to play, and even to, to find, finding humor and being able to laugh and play together is so important for any family. Uh, it, it's, it's uh, you know, learning to love each other and to be free with each other. You know, you never see children who can't play initially. Yeah. They only learn if that play is squashed. Then they learn not to laugh if that is uh, to be ashamed and to look away and to and to to look down. We don't have to do that because we belong to Christ's family. We belong to the family of God. And I think that it is such a a, a blessing that to get on that ship, you know, to to really do. And I think our job, and I hope, is that whatever we say can help somebody else take that risk of stepping out of their uncomfortable comfort zone yeah and and, and uh, uh, like it's it's okay to those rules aren't not steadfast you know yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're man-made they're, yeah and I'll, those recipes can be tweaked you know those, or kicked out yeah exactly i think yeah. we ought to do this again uh with mary sometime with yeah we mary. talked about doing it with the three of us and it's so hard to get a three-way conversation, and a, you know, but we might have to have to consider doing that at some point. That would be great. I'm really glad that you're here. Thanks you know. for inviting me. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. And thank you for thank you for getting sober. Thank you for recovery. Thank you for coming to Christ and coming on the journey with with me. That back at you. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like I say, we're not all in the same time frame. Right? I mean, it took you a long time. It took me a long time. But uh, hopefully, uh, that yeah. it won't take other people as long as as it did me or you. What it takes, what it takes. Yeah. Thank God we have a Savior. Thank God we have a Savior. We'd love to have you visit our website at makingpeaceandbeyond.com or check us out on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook under Making Peace and Beyond. 
I hope you have a blessed day.